one more time right at the fork here. This morning you'll go down 39th and take a right there and end up at uh, Chico on Division. And uh, this morning we'll have Mindy Lee with us, who's the current pastry chef at Chico, which is a fantastic Oaxacan restaurant uh, on Division. Um, not what you would expect if you're thinking regular, normal Mexican fare. You're not going to get that at Chico. You're going to get something really special, is, which is what Mindy does for desserts there. And uh, she'll tell us about what she does at other times as well. Um, she, as a teenager, she actually spun pizzas at Pizza Schmitza. That's where she got her start in the food business. And then from there, she moved on to the Oregon Culinary Institute. Uh, she's worked at other bakeries like St. Honoré and Dragonfly. And she's had her own catering business, and she worked under the tutelage of the wonderful Kathy Wims at Nostrana. And currently, she is with some former Nostranans, Liz Davis and Kelly Myers at Chico. And she also happens to be the most beautiful guest we've had so far, and she's raising the bar so high that it might be difficult to uh, to beat this. So... Um, here's Mindy. I, I was confused all along, but you know, I know Kelly, so <laughs> yeah, you know, Kelly you would be nice here too. But, yeah. but, um, but now you get now in the flesh, yes, Mindy. Now you'll be Mindy, all right, face and to the name. Yeah, <laughs> can I be Mork in that picture? You and I'm not I'm sure I'm not the first one to ever say that. Yeah. Actually, it was named after the show. Were, Were you, you really? really? Yeah, my parents thought uh, the the girl was cute, and they liked the show. They thought it was quirky and weird and funny. Mindy's so. a good name. You're always going to have a fun with Mindy, you know, like in a completely non-sexual way. I, mean, I always liked well, Mindy. I think it's got, I don't, know. let's not start there. Pam- I'm going to make you comfortable. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it sounds great. Okay. All right. So, want to be about inch and a half off the mic. Okay. So literally you were named after, okay. it was after Mark and Mindy. Yeah, I think... I think that my parents didn't really know what to name me. They were hippies and sort of free love, and I'm glad I didn't end up with something like Moonchild. Or <laughs> where, did, where were they from? Portland? Um, my mom was born in Roseburg, and my dad was born in Montana, but he actually grew up here, like in Bend. His father was a uh, forest ranger, and so... Yeah, did. brothers and sisters. Do they have any other uh, sitcom names? No, actually, they all like my siblings. So my parents split up when I was younger, and then she, my mom, remarried, and they had a bunch of kids together. So they all got normal family names, like you know, Stephen and Jessica, and all that. So well, Mindy's okay. Yeah. It's just when, once you explain, it was you know, it came from who was the actress who played Mindy? Do you? Oh, I can't remember what was you her name. Know that. You I, should know. Know that. I should know. I should know. You know, I didn't really watch the TV, that show much, so. I don't think you could have. You, no, I what I'm, You're pretty young. I was what, just born. <laughs> what was on TV when you were? What were you watching when you were a kid? Oh my gosh, I grew. I watched a lot of movies. A lot of fantasy. I watched. Uh, gosh, I watched. What was that? Uh, Tales from the Crypt. I loved that show. <laughs> and I watched a lot of Disney. So Little Mermaid and all of that jazz. I watched a Never Ending Story and. So there was no food TV. Uh, when you were a no. kid. So, so what got you into, what got you interested in food? Food, just, you know, I I was in the art scene before. I was in school for art, and that was sort of where I was at. And I ended up 
moving in the direction of food after being in ceramics and sculpture for so many years. I'd met some people that were doing dinner parties and were into wine, and my boyfriend at the time was in the food industry, so I started to make these different connections, and I was starting to eat out a lot more and like be introduced to this whole new world, and I kind of fell in love with it. So, so um, you have you have an artistic bent. Yeah. So, and also, it I might an add some, <laughs> some amazing dimples, I might add. Oh, thank, as well. you. <laughs> thank um, you. But so you found a way to, with food, I, I think all chefs are artists in some way, but particularly pastry chefs. Yeah. That's more art than anything else. It's edible sculpture. Right. I mean, I mean, it's important that the flavor's there. <laughs> but yes, it's very sculptural. It's It's so similar. I mean, bread... And dough work is so similar to ceramics, it's crazy. Like, it's that was why it was such an easy transition, like, and just a new challenge, something more um, fun and interesting. It was nice to be able to actually share your art with people in that sort of personal way. Uh, so, so uh, which which is first, the chicken or the egg? The artistic, the oh, beauty man. of the dish, or is the does the inspiration come from flavors first, and then you figure out how to? It's definitely flavors first. Um, then it's just figuring, yeah, the aesthetics come after essentially. So it's all about I'm always having Kelly or you know other coworkers taste what I'm working with, and I'm playing with ingredients that they throw at me last minute. And um, that's where it starts is is just developing that flavor, and then I'm like, all right, now I can set it all up. Now I can build from these these uh, ingredients. So how often are you building something new? How, the menu changes at Chico often. It does. Uh, based on ingredients. Dessert's a little different. Dessert is a little different. Um, we, you know, because not everybody goes for dessert right away, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of been a fun, challenging thing to work with. I've had a few things that have definitely stayed on the menu permanently like they're not going anywhere because they've become such a like strong uh dessert or a plate for for the restaurant but like I, what like the chocolate cake that i do that i mean everybody loves chocolate you always have to have some kind of decadent chocolate dessert on the menu so that's definitely not going anywhere and i use local chocolate woodblock chocolate so i'm i'm not taking that off anytime soon and there's a coconut candy bar called a cocada. It's got raisins and apricot and almond. So people love that. It reminds them of like a little almond joy or something like that. Um, but for me, I love to. I do like to work with more seasonal flavors and fruits. So as soon as like the all the berries and all the crazy stone fruits start coming in, I'm like reeling and I'm like, I want sorbets and I want you know this or that. And um, so that's sort of where where I go with it. So is the whole dessert menu at Chico yours, or does Kelly have, uh, she makes suggestions? Is it? She always makes suggestions. She's trying to get me to make Mexican tiramisu in a frozen format right now. So. How long has that been going on? How long does Kelly Myers need to <laughs> lobby you to get that Mexican tiramisu? She wants it. I think she has a, a hankering for it. You know, she's not a huge sweet tooth, but every once in a while there's something that she's like, I need this, and until she gets it, you know. So why are you holding back? What are you holding? What are you? Um, what are you well, actually, for? I was like, all right, this year. I'm sure you're negotiating. Yeah, something. we're you know we're gonna work on it. I said I would do it. Finally, I kind of was like, no, no, it's Italian, Italian. You're so like in Italian cuisine. We have to move away. Like, but she's like, no, it can be Mexican. So. But we'll there's do some it. Italian roots at that restaurant. There you definitely both are. were worked at Nostrana. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely some Italian roots. I mean, it, it's just Mexican is, is new to me, um, but it does have a lot of familiarity there, like ingredients. And, you know, some of the techniques and how, like, romantic and involved it is, it's, it's definitely reminds me of Italian. It's very easy to, to make a Mexican tiramisu, mind you. But, yeah, I've been fighting it. Now I'm not going to. I'm just going to do it. So when can we <laughs> expect to see that? At what? Um, we're talking about doing it for dining month. Portland okay. Dining Month, yeah. So that's June. You're starting now? I heard it's in March Oh, it's now. in March. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for the education. Yeah. <laughs> no, this I guess that makes sense <laughs> to finally do it in June. And uh, I mean, to do it in March earlier. June right? is probably a good dining month. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, okay, well, that's good. So what else are you working on over there? You know, I work... You know, we're working on uh, a lot of moles right now, and we're trying to just really get it very centered around that, di- like, mole dishes. We've got uh, this pink mole and a blanco mole that's very traditional with, like, weddings and, and uh, big celebrations. So I've been kind of inspired by chili since the get-go. And then mole, of course, that was, like, a whole new world to try mole blanco. I've never had it before. And then, you know, Bell Hernandez comes down, does a mole event with us, and boom, it's like, what? whoa, this is totally different. No burnt chilies and, you know, it's all uh, it's I had white the burnt chocolate. Chilies. We had that at our Portland Food Adventures Oh, yeah, event. that's right. The, uh, the From the Yucatan, mm-hmm. the, the woman, uh, Carmen, she introduced us to that. I love that dish. It's a blackened chili adara bowl. I was, oh. I was completely in awe of the passion and everything that Kelly not only put into that event, but that dish outside making it outside and and uh making sure we loved it and it was so beautiful that that was one of the most photographed dishes of any event we've ever had yeah that that particular dish it's one of my favorites (laughs) um so there's a little bit of estrogen going on in that in that restaurant yeah there's a lot of women there (laughs) (laughs) so um have how does that play out on a daily basis is that is it girls club is it um it's, um, does, it, does it make things flow easier? Does everybody understand one another a little better? Or? You would think. I feel like there's definitely uh, a few core people, core women there, and we all know each other really well, and we're just we're pretty close as far as that goes. But it's definitely not totally dominated by women. You know, I give the line cooks a hard time. Like, oh, what's it like? You got a hard time here from all the ladies who are just you know razzing you all the time. They're like, no, it's not. It's not that bad. <laughs> Well, what would be, what would bad be? That's uh, I don't know. That would be the question. I guess if we all just freaked out on him or something. So I, when I met Kelly, she, uh, my impression was, it was interesting that she worked for Kathy Wims because they seemed. I don't know her that well, but and I don't know Kathy that well, but I know her enough to have had a few conversations. They yeah. seem f- fairly similar. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, They are, you know, I worked more with the front of the house at Nostrana. So I worked really directly with Liz Liz Davis. And I did get to interact with Kelly. And I interacted with Kathy often because she was often on the floor during the evening service, interacting with customers and so on. So um, Kelly was kind of this new person um, when I started at Chico. And I was very excited, intimidated a little because of her reputation. She's such a great chef. And you know, she just knows her food so well. Um, but yeah, definitely some similarities with Kathy, their quirkiness. And um, 
their their taste for for uh, Italian cuisine definitely has rolled over. They definitely have that influence on each other, and and um, I think Kelly is is definitely a an artist in the kitchen for sure. She's best when she's just creating new dishes and stuff like that. So. What's your favorite dish at Chico right now? It changes all right the time. now. Oh my gosh! Well, I really like the baked fideos. It's a Mexican noodle dish that's cooked in a chili broth, and it's topped with uh, lettuce and onion and crema and cotija and avocado and um, a salsa verde, and it's just really different. You know, you wouldn't expect to have a Mexican pasta. Um, here we are with Italian food again, but I do, I love it. It's, it is a traditional dish and it's, um, it's just, it's fun and it's, uh, different. And I think, I don't know anyone else that's doing a fideos right now. So I do like that dish a lot right now. So how, how did your, uh, start at Chico start? Did, did Kelly, Kelly, you knew Kelly, obviously when she asked you, what was your first thought? And well, actually, um, Liz asked me, Liz did. Yeah. Um, Liz, Liz Davis asked me, we had been working together at Nostrana for years. She trained me on the front of the house and how to run things up there. And, um, um, I had done desserts for friends and parties, little like get togethers that, you know, often food industry gets together after hours. So I'd always bring something. And um, I, I guessed it sparked her interest. It definitely stayed in her mind. Like, you know, her and a few other people would like beg me for cookies or cakes and stuff like that. So uh, I think when she decided to open Chico, um, that she was like, I have to have Mindy, and we work really well together. And she knows she knows my palate. She knows my desserts. So I think um, she convinced Kelly to get me get me hired on. So and it's your first real restaurant, back of the house pastry chef. Yes, yes, gig. it is. And how's that different than um, what you're doing? You're working at bakeries before. Yeah. How's how's that different? Um, different in the sense of I this this is my menu. I this is my baby. I get to really do whatever I want. I'm allowed to work with the ingredients that I want. Um, I mean, aside from cost and you know, I'm being conservative, of course. But, Are you running your own budget? Do you? Um, how, how's that? Me and work? Kelly work together on the budget. You know, and I'm it's really not outrageous. I'm really like finicky about stuff like that and food waste and cost and. I'm kind of anal about it, actually, but um, which is great. I think it's nice because Kelly can kind of step away a little bit sometimes and focus on other stuff. But um, in the baking, like cafe or bakery world, it's definitely a lot more like production, and you're making the same things over and over again. Just having that perfected, and uh, you know, definitely crazy hours, a lot crazier hours. So um, I I love the the restaurant industry. It's been really fun to be in a, a you know, functioning kitchen that's lively and playing with seasonal ingredients. You know, bakeries, you you tend to just kind of, you have to have this set up product for the customer to rely on. So do you have moments where you have to, where you're thinking, okay, I need something new and I'm going to do it? Or is it all pretty much you've got your base and, <laughs> and is it whims, not to use that <laughs> word, but uh, how is it that you develop new recipes? Often it is on the fly. <laughs> it's kind of fun that way. I like the challenge of it. You know, like I said earlier, sometimes Kelly will have 
something extra that she had ordered, some pineapple or whatever, and she'll be like, can you get rid of it? Just do something with it. I'm like, okay, it's Friday night service. I have a billion other things to do, but I'm going to throw together like a cheesecake or God, who knows what. So that's your little chopped moment then. You've <laughs> yeah. got to put it out there. Yeah, sometimes you just got to do it. So yeah. when uh, do you sit in the back and watch people eat your desserts? Do you want to see their reaction? Well, I do. Since we are a new restaurant, I have been able to wear many hats and I've worked just about every station, front of the house and back of the house at Chico. So I have had the pleasure of like sort of across the room, spying on people, seeing what they think of the food, the dessert, every the whole meal in general. And I mean, it's been great because I like that feedback. It's, it's nice to have that uh, sort of perspective. <laughs> so when someone asks you if you're working in the front of the house and they say, what should we have? That's got to be difficult. They're all your babies. All all the desserts are your babies. And you right. got to you have to have passion about all of them. But right. But I guess you got to find out what they feel like. And I think I, it's and, and someone that. asks me what I feel like, it's like I don't know. If I get inspired, I'll I'll order it. I always like to hear what they ate, what they were drinking, you know, before. And it's I think it's important to know what they were eating before and what they were drinking before, so that you can sort of lay out this. If it was too heavy of a meal, you know, they might want something lighter. They might just want you know, dessert wine or sherry or something like that. And like, maybe I can serve them a little candy plate or something like that that's lighter and just a little easier after a long dining experience. Yeah, well, and what goes best with a mezcal buzz? Oh my gosh, a mezcal buzz. You know, I've been, I've just more mezcal, I think. Feed them a lime popsicle with mezcal. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so mezcal is, uh, is kind of the... The foundation, to me, the, the alcohol foundation at Chico. Yeah, it really is. And were you that familiar with it before you started there? No, not really. I think I've had it in cocktails at other places, like mixed in. I'd never had it just on its own. And like, you know, to be able to have all these what we call suitcase mezcals um, and be able to taste them. And Liz is so excited about it. She brings, she's the one who goes down to LA and like buys crazy bottles, brings them back and we taste them and sort of learn about the Prevair and all of that. So they're very, it's, you know, I had no idea. I just thought it was (laughs) kind of like tequila. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Right. But it's, she's got, she presents an entirely different perspective. I had one the other day that tasted like scotch. So it's it's such a range from like fruity and floral and just very like strong. You get that tequila, that agave definitely coming through. Then all the way to like barrel aged ones that taste like scotch. It's like, what in the world is going on? This is amazing. So it's it's great for the public because I think they can sort of find a mezcal that suits them. I don't think that you can just say, oh, I don't I don't drink tequila. So I'm definitely not going to like mezcal. I think there's definitely a mezcal for for everyone out there. So the Pollo Negro, uh, yeah. how is that? I saw it prepared, but, you know, I, I didn't absorb as much as the chicken absorbed, I suppose. So how's so, that prepared? So uh, Pollo Negro is a traditional Yucatan-style dish, and it's chicken that's cooked in chili de arable, uh ash, essentially. So we take these chilies outside, <laughs> and we light them on fire, and we collect all of the ash from that and we make a chicken stock and we add that ash to it and that's what the chicken gets poached in. And then we take the uh, the poaching liquid and we reduce that into a sauce and then that chicken gets tossed in all of that. So it's very black um, 
and unusual in flavor. You get that charcoal kind of flavor, but you definitely get all the nuttiness of the chili de herbal and a little bit of the heat, I feel like. Um, and then it gets topped with a little hard-boiled egg um, and I think a little cilantro. I think that goes simple. into the category of the most unusual yeah. and most interesting dish. Well, I don't know about it. It was most unusual and certainly the hardest to photograph dish that we had at any of the events that I do this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, black is tough to photograph, just it like black dogs. Black, oh, yeah. Black chicken. <laughs> black is, chicken's very hard to photograph. Agreed. Uh, but it was uh, it was delicious, nonetheless. And that's not that's not on the menu all the time, I would imagine. No. That's a complicated dish. No, I think at the time we were doing it in the summertime, and Carmen, when our tortilla lady, who's the one who brought that recipe in, she was like, we never do this during the summertime, during the day. You do it at night because it's just so crazy, the fumes that come off of that. I mean, we're wearing masks and all kinds of things. Well, we did it outside, so, so it was kind of fun to watch yeah. everybody around the... It's such a process, like, and so fun, right, to see all these people, like, lighting chilies on fire, like, and hope to get this product, this end product from it to work with. Well, what I find most interesting, and it's indicative of the whole Portland food scene, is how excited Kelly was. Yes. It was. She was just couldn't <laughs> wait to do that for everybody. I love that side of Kelly. I try to get that out of her as much as possible. Uh, I don't think, it, well, I, I you see her a lot more than I do, but she... She seemed genuinely interested and, and um, yeah. heartfelt uh, caring as to how people were going to feel about the dish and what they uh, Absolutely. putting it together. It's an important one. It's one of my favorites, and I think everybody that's tried it has felt really connected to it because it's such a unique dish. So what percentage of, you know, I don't need an exact number, but are there a, do you have uh, a following that's really a mezcal following a chico because here's my feeling if you tell people mexican they're going to think they're going to get burritos and they're not right. going to get that at chico so you've got a condition they need to be conditioned ahead of time definitely um, but i that's really two different questions but are there do you have a following who just really understand the wachacan cuisine and there's mez- definitely there's definitely some people that do come in for that that traditional cuisine and there um there's definitely a few families that you know have traveled through the region or lived there and they love coming in because it reminds them of that place and that time in their life when they were there and i think that's really amazing to be transported that way we also have um you know we have a a, a woman who's been working for us for a long time her name's sophia and she she started a lot of the mezcal uh, tastings and things like that. She's been kind of pushing to get mezcal out there. And so she's gained a little bit of a following. And in, in turn, we've gained that following. Some people who really understand mezcal more and are really into it because we have such a great selection. So, I think probably if more people try, came in and asked Liz to, oh, yeah. to do her thing... They'd she loves in, it. Yeah, she'd be. Uh, well, you know, the one thing about Portland restaurants is there. If you're not passionate about what you do, you ju- you're just not going to be in that position, yeah. or you're not going to have a restaurant for very long. It's impossible. Uh, what's the point? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? in, in any other city, you could almost operate like that. But in this city, <laughs> I don't think you can. Anyone's going to survive unless their heart is really in it. I agree. Uh, I agree. And so you've got. A number of different stations, and I'm not a restaurant person per se, 
so you've got uh, the front of the house. Liz is awesome. Kelly's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you you obviously love what you're doing and you're doing a great job. Who are some of the other people at Chico that are that are really making it happen over there? Who would you acknowledge? Um, you know, there's I, the whole team of people. It's it's such an interesting staff. Uh, almost everyone has spent a lot of time in Mexico. So it's been even the front of the house, like servers. We have people who are anthropologists serving, you know, and um, and they have like a wide knowledge on the cuisine and the culture. And so that's been it's been such a big team effort, I feel like, to to really make Chico happen, um, make this new restaurant happen. So without them, I mean, I don't think our guests would be as excited about the cuisine or like we all just sort of influence each other. It's always like, oh, there's this dish. Have you ever had that? No. Well, let's check it out. Like, let's learn about it. Let's figure it out. Let's make it happen. And um, I think that whole group is a great group of people, all of the cooks and all of the servers and everyone. So So you're doing a field trip, I understand. Yes, sir. And how many people are going? Gosh, um, people keep jumping on the bandwagon. So I think we have, I think we have at least eight people right now going, and there might be as many as ten. To so, Wachaca, I'm wondering yeah. when someone's going to hop on and do the actual capital capitalize this on this. And aside from your research and what you're doing to keep the restaurant genuine and wonderful, yeah, you're gonna say go on a food trip with. Yes. With the staff at Chico to Wachaca, cool. that would be. That's a really great idea. Are you gonna write that one down? That. <laughs> I think that yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think that would be great. I love traveling, and uh, I've definitely had the pleasure of traveling with coworkers before and doing that kind of like food research. Uh, so I'm really excited about this trip and to be down there and experiencing the culture and the food. I I want to eat a lot of street food. I want to go to all the open air markets and. Just indulge. There's a, a definitely a big ingredient list. I have uh, like a shopping list essentially that I'm like, all right, let's see if I can fit this in my suitcase and it's, bring it's it back. It's got to be a pretty cool bonding experience too for the definitely. restaurant. I mean, to so do you close the restaurant down? Is that how's that going to work? Yeah, the restaurant does have to close down. We um we had some problems with uh, the the build out when we first built out. We did this crazy paneling that's like some kind of vinyl or like plastic material and uh, we painted it black and over the summer it warped and um, so it's a little it's it's like kind of structurally unsound in the on the front of the face of the building as far as like aesthetics and I think um, we just have to close it down because having scaffolding up over the front of your business is uh, is a little that's been tough. Funky. That whole street is tough. Yeah. Has that affected business, all the construction going on in Division? You know, it has. Uh, there's been so much construction. It has. There has been some effect on us. Um, you know, they've closed down the street right in front of us multiple times. And, I mean, the other restaurants down Division 2, It's we've been really, like, pushing, trying to get this following on Division as being, like, a food-centric street. And then there's just, like crazy construction. They're putting new pipelines in, they're building condos, they're building all kinds of stuff. So it's been interesting. <laughs> what do you think is going to be the final result of that? I, you know, I think the jury's out. I'm sure it'll do well. But, you know, Portland is, you know, Hawthorne had its organic building and, and then it kind of became the commercial area. And then we, we went to Alberta and now right. Division. I'm wondering if it's going to feel too commercial when all is said and done. 
Right. I'm wondering, too, because that area is such a family neighborhood. It's people have been living there for a really, really long time. Um, and they've a lot of house owners uh, live there for years, too. So it's just we'll see what happens. I think I think it can go either direction. I feel like that's Northwest 21st and 23rd was built up. And that was definitely like a very industrial area of Portland for many years. Mm-hmm. And it was cheap to live over there. But there's like a large, like all the people who do live or own houses over there have been there for 20 years, you know. So once it was built up, I don't think they minded as much. Well, Maybe I think they they're probably it. happy. But there's something for everyone there. You, definitely. There's fine, Portland fine dining. Right. And, and uh, you know, there's still some of the Thai places, and mm-hmm. Andy Ricker's got his little thing going. Little thing, his big thing going. On, big things going on over there. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a fun place. So you um, worked in bakeries uh-huh. before Chico. Mm-hmm. Where? What are some of your favorite Portland bakeries, and some of the items that you would recommend that people try? Um, I love uh, Little T American Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, they make a lot of fun little things. Um, I'm, they do a few items that are kind of, I feel like were experimental at the first, and then they've really developed into being like a household favorite. They do a pretzel baguette. That's baguette dough that they then boil in line, you know, and they do a sandwich, like a jambon Parisian like sandwich on that. And, um, they do a croissant that way too, where they do the croissant, boil it in the line. Like, yeah, it's it's really interesting in texture and flavor, and that's definitely one of my favorite favorite Fres- goodies. Fresen has a pretzel croissant that I get at the farmers market all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that. If I go to the Saturday market, that is that little bubble in my mind driving me down there. Is that is that Fresen pretzel croissant? Definitely, yeah. And so what do you enjoy, uh, bakery items? What do you, do you like dessert pastries or more of a breakfast? I, you know, I eat so many sweet things during the day that often I feel like I have Wait a minute, that's not fair. <laughs> you eat so many sweet oh. things and you're, you're there in a beautiful peacoat <laughs> buttoned up. And it fits. How does that? How does that work? I just run my butt off. I just run around all, like crazy all day. So I think that's maybe how it works. I drink a lot of coffee too. So well, that that balances out a little yeah. bit. So it's like bakery. It's like I get maybe a croissant or something like that. I get a bunch of sweets for the kitchen, and I get my coffee, and I go to work. <laughs> that's sort of that's sort of how I do it. So are you two? Uh, you're busy over there. Do you get to get out? Over on Division or anywhere else in Portland that uh, that you're really enjoying now? Once in a while, I do get to get out and explore a little more. Um, you know, last night I just I ate over at Nong's Kamungai over off of Ankeny, and it's it's such a, a like rustic little hole in the wall, but their food is fantastic. I just love that she focused in on one dish and perfected it and it's perfect every single time she I go epitomizes there that that's the first it's amazing first place that comes up when when someone mentions one dish and perfection nongs it's my comfort food you know that you know every once in a while i do get to go out and actually sit down and dine and and actually like course out a meal um we were over at ox a few weeks ago and that was really fun and like lively tons of people in there and just crazy with the grill and 
that was really fun. That was some of the best blood sausage I've had in Portland in some time. So. <laughs> and there's a lot of blood sausage. Yeah. Did you let them, did you do the chef's tasting menu over there? Because that's the way to go. I have not done the chef's tasting menu. I will next time, though. Actually, I don't know if there's a specific chef's tasting. I'm not sure, but you can oh. ask. Just, you can ask Greg or Gabby. Help. Help. Just pick for me. Yeah. I love that. I love letting somebody else sort of create an experience for you. It's fun. That uh, I think you get... You know, that's the same thing. Next time I come into Chico, I'm just going to ask you, give me what you want to give me. Yeah. So that's a great way to go. I mean, we know our food really well. And if we know anything about you, if we can read you at all, it's sort of like a little fortune telling. I'm not going to ask you to do that right now. (laughs) That's a little scary. Um, But after I've had a big meal, it's pretty easy to read me, I would think. Um, So when you're telling people about your restaurant, about Chico, who don't know about it, friends from out of town. How do you how do you describe it? I describe it as um, <laughs> traditional, untraditional Mexican food. <laughs> um, Oaxacan, Veracruz, uh, even you. Did I pronounce Oaxacan cor- incorrectly before? Oh, I'm always doing that. Anyway, all good. Yeah, well, I'm not. People from... pronounce Hico, Mexico, Z- Zico. So right. <laughs> well, I. I'm always stumbling on that, but it is, uh, it's more authentic than I am. Ah, well, me too. It's more authentic than me. (laughs) No, no. That's what makes it, are the people. Yeah. Um, You can give it a name, you can give it a cuisine, but without everybody pouring their heart into it, it's, uh, that's what makes it. And you can tell, as I said before, you can tell when someone isn't. Yeah, definitely. So what's, uh, what's in your sights for 2014? What's exciting you? Um, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm just kind of looking at Portland now from this perspective of it's it's really building itself up right now. And it, I'm a Portland native, so I grew up here. And um, it's been really fascinating to watch this city emerge into something bigger, you know. And uh, it's always been a really interesting, like, place. And um it's really nice to just sort of see the food world emerge even more. And I'm really excited just watching that and like being able to go out and enjoy it when I can <laughs> on my time off. Um, also being right in the center of it. It's, uh, I right think it's the so cool. It. There's so many people that are right in the center of it. So have you traveled to other cities so you've been able to have a perspective on just how amazing Portland is uh, as far as food goes? You know, I've eaten down in LA and I've been down to Mexico, but it, you know, that when I, when I went there, it was, I was very young at the time. I don't think I really understood what was going on. Like I said, it was, it was a little later blossoming for me in food. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, traveling, I went to Costa Rica and, you know, the food's all right there, but um, definitely got more of a perspective of culture. I got to kind of spend some time with a family that lived up in the mountains and they did all of their own cheese and all of like all of their food they grew and and they would cook it, make it right there. So that was kind of um, me falling in love with like, you know, Central America and South America. So I uh, I'm excited to do more traveling to sort of refine more uh, food knowledge. I see. I think coming from the East Coast and you know around New York, which obviously is a great food scene, but I really wasn't into it that much, and I was lived further out. But I can't really describe to people what this is like here. I, mm-hmm. I it's virtually impossible 
to give them the verbal picture, no matter how articulate you can be, no matter how many websites you drive someone to, until they actually are here, and not for yeah. three days, and not for a week. You have to live here for a while, and then you start to realize, mm-hmm. my God, there's, I, I've been here three years, and I there's this... I've just touched the surface. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I always wonder if people from Portland really understand what you have. It's oh my what gosh. we have, I should say, but, but from your perspective, what you have. I feel like it's really special. I mean, I did a road trip across the country when I was a teenager, and that uh, was really interesting to sort of get a perspective of the other, other uh food out there but there just there wasn't it's nothing's like portland and that was years ago and that was before portland was even anything of what it is now um so i feel like gosh we must be really leading the way at this point you know um so i think i think it's just really exciting to sort of be on this brink and you think we can sustain a food-based economy that's what it it's is the only and, economy and right it's, now it's the only economy <laughs> we have and it's inexpensive and yeah you know, chefs aren't making a killing. No one in the industry is. Uh, no, I shouldn't say no one. <laughs> right. But across the board in Portland, it's kind of uh, conventional wisdom that no one's. No, everybody's killing it in the kitchen, but they're not killing it when they go to the bank. When they go right. to the bank. Right. <laughs> right. So how long can that go on? It's a wonderful thing because that enables people to be creative, but. Yeah. Is that something that can sustain? For, you know, I know that restaurants would love pricing to be pushed up a little bit. Right. But you, there's so much competition that they can't do it. That's you true. Move the, you can't move that needle too much. That is very true. Uh, you know, I'm hoping with more tourism or whatever coming through Portland that that might help the economy here. But we'll see. <laughs> and you we'll know, one thing I've noticed is that bread is more expensive. So oh, in yeah. The, in, you know, for you... Anything, it must be flour, it must be, but it has, of all items at the grocery store, you know, I don't remember $5 loaves of bread. Right. I remember $2 loaves of bread. Yeah. And uh, it's now five. So that's got to be affecting your budget and your, do you feel like you can do what you want regardless? If if you have something that's amazing, how expensive can uh, pastry be? You know, I think because I've been so on my program that it's it's definitely left a lot more room for growth in those areas. Um, but definitely, I mean, you know, people have their bread products and they're selling them a little more, like instead of a $2 loaf, which is actually probably costed out a little more accurate, like a $5 loaf, you're going to take that extra few dollars and it's going to pay for another entree that definitely was barely, barely making its mark. So you're going to make your money back that way. So dessert wise, you know, anytime you're working outside of flour, like a cake, like just straight cake or whatever, I feel like you're getting in that zone of, ooh, I really have to watch my prices here. I have to be very like careful on what ingredients I'm using, how much. Um, And then that, that definitely like affects like what, you know, like butter quality, for example, like that's something that I'm like, all right, well, for this dish, I can use really nice European butter. And for this dish, well, butter's not as important. It's a small element. I'm going to go with something a little more inexpensive, something like that. So, Is anybody making their own? There are restaurants making their own butter. I've seen that. It's right. very common. Would you Do you do that? I've made it on accident multiple times, you know, going through culinary school. <laughs> no. Um, 
you know, people do make it. I've made it um, with honey to do like, you know, honey butter for cornbread um, from scratch. But it's, you know, when you just have butter right there, sometimes for the line cooks, sometimes they have to make their own butter, (laughs) honey butter or whatever. So you have to just kind of utilize whatever's out there instead of making it from scratch every time. So food isn't your only creative outlet. You also uh, play around with some other crafts. Yeah, What definitely. is it? How, how, what do you do? Right now I'm doing these lino cut prints that's out of linoleum. You carve different images out of it and uh, you ink it up and print cards or prints, whatever you want with it. So I've been playing with that a little more. Is that an Etsy thing? Are you no, I, you know, I'm part of a, an artist collaborative and we do a pop-up shop every once in a while, mm-hmm. every like season or so. And we just had one recently a few weeks back at Enzo Winery. They were lovely enough to allow us to put up a shop in their, in their winery where they were doing some tastings and like holiday related wine tastings. So um, that's where I sell some of my cards. It's just more of a hobby. Something fun. Do you have a website creative. where people can find? Uh, it's Real your, Things Portland. Real Things Portland. Uh-huh. That's your website. Well, it's not mine. It's, oh, it's, it's since it's, it's a collaborative. collective. Yeah. Colla- so you don't have a, sp- a specific one for your. We're all in stuff. it together. You know, <laughs> it's that's another Portland. Group it's, a, it's a team thing. <laughs> You're not doing it alone. You're doing it together. That's great. Yeah, yeah, and that's been really fun too to just collaborate with other artists, and they're they're getting to play in their world of passion and and creativity. So that's been very inspiring to work with those people as well. So what's different with working with other food people, chefs, food industry people, and artists? Humor. (laughs) The humor. No, um, let's see here. Um, Well, but explain that. (laughs) Who needs, where do you need more humor? Kitchen humor is a little more inappropriate than the rest of the world. Oh, it's the type of humor. Yeah, I would say that. you know, there's some people, some chefs are really driven and some really just like that production work. They just like to get it done. They don't put a lot of themselves into it, which is great. We need people like that, too. Um, artists, I think they always have to put all of themselves into it. So I think that's maybe the difference is. It, yeah, it's a little more individual. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely more individual. So um, you were recently featured in Portland Monthly. Yeah. How did you feel? Did you you knew that was coming? Yeah. I assume because there was a photo shoot and all that. How did you uh, feel when uh, at that when that first came out and you opened the pages and there oh you were? Oh my gosh! Well, it's funny. Um, I knew it was coming. I had interviewed with Kelly Clark in, in the summertime, and um, she, you know. Tasted it on a lot of desserts and coffee and even mezcal <laughs> and um, had a great a great time interviewing with her. And uh, she told me, you know, it wasn't going to be later until the in the year. And it ended up uh, happening uh, in October and uh, and when or what happened earlier in or later in October, excuse me, because it was the November issue. But around, I think, the 15th or 16th of October, I was doing the sugar skull decorating class and one of my friends like sends me a text with this like spread he's got of me and I'm like oh my god don't tell me that's happening already ah like just kind of had a little like freak out moment and um but I I was really excited about it you know I've got some really proud parents at home (laughs) that were just thrilled to see that so well the the article the headline was the next the next in line 
Yeah. So that's that's high praise that's in a, a city like Portland. I congratulate deal. you for that. I'm totally feel humble to it all. Um, I'm I'm extremely grateful to to have been considered for that at all, and then to actually be printed in there for that. That's awesome. Well, in person, you are more charming than you are Aww. in the article, which was <laughs> my first you. exposure, and. Uh, um, thank you so much for coming in and hope oh, you can come you. back. And we'd love to have some of your friends at Chico come in, too. Yeah, well. I'll give them the nudge. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll be in shortly. And I want to know if I uh, last question, if I came in this week, what would you tell me to have for dessert? If you came in this week, I would tell you to have the sweet potato pie parfait. Very Which nice. Is, uh, describe that. I want to hear that in your words. So I I use the word sweet potato even though I use yams. So little garnet yams. I cook them down in coconut milk and orange zest. And uh, then I puree them up with crema and cream and brown sugar and a little uh, cinnamon. And so it's like a pudding in texture at that point. And then I top it with a crema caramel candied pepitas and uh, vanilla whipped cream. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That was very nice. She, yeah. she was great. Yeah. I. She's fun to listen to and to look at, too. She's beautiful. I mean, honestly. Yeah. No, I, I got gorgeous. that. She's gorgeous. Did you see her dimples? You couldn't see her dimples. I couldn't see her angle. dimples, no. But I saw her dimples. You know, people used to tell me, oh, your dimples. My dimples don't look that good. <laughs> Hers look a lot better on her. Yeah. Next time Eater does their uh, hottest chefs. I'm She's nom- in. Uh, for sure. I'm slam, nominating her. Slam dunk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was great, and I think we learned uh, a bit about what goes on to what goes on in a restaurant like Chico. It's, it's not all women there, but there's, uh, you know, it's one thing I notice when I walk in. Oh, yeah. Kelly and... And Liz, and they're they're all beautiful and wonderful women, and but they're doing something really different, and they're really extremely passionate about what they're doing. Well, I just love that Mexican desserts are getting a little bit more play because it's not something that I typically think of ordering when I'm at a Mexican. And what is the typical Mexican dessert? Flan. Yeah, I, I mean, guess that would be it. I mean, people will probably let us know on Facebook. And we get but... some churros. There's some great churros in town, and they do some good, great churros at Chico. Too. Right, right, but it's uh, it's not it's not at the level of what Mindy's doing. That's for sure. No, and Mindy's so... doing some. She's fantastic. And when that uh, tiramisu gets on the menu, I want to know. Gonna run over there, and mm-hmm. I don't know whether that was Oaxacan or Oaxacan. It's Oaxacan. I know. I it's know. all right. That's okay. You I was calling. Run. I was calling the place Zyko for the longest time. So. You know, it's not like. I suppose it would be a good thing if there are thirty negative comments about the fact that I didn't. didn't, (laughs) We'll uh, hear about it. I'll go for. Go ahead and comment. Go. Yeah, go ahead. We're all learning. That's the point. But what we didn't cover was uh, Chico, spelled X I C O, can be found at Chico PDX, uh, Chico PDX dot com. Uh, I guess Chico PDX would be the Twitter handle. Probably and Facebook. Um, And Facebook and. and Mindy talked about where you can find some of her crafts, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, RealThingsPortland.com. We'll put that up. There are lots of places to go. One would be Try Chico. It's really, uh, it's really an interesting experience. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then go and ask, ask Mindy what you should order for dessert. She'll tell you. Right. We got to go. My stomach's rumbling. <laughs>